Principal Matters Podcast, Episode 152. Hi, friends. This is Will Parker. Before I jump into today's episode, I just wanted to give a quick shout out. If you are an Oklahoma administrator or in a nearby state and you're looking for amazing professional learning, COSA, the School Leaders Association that represents our Superintendents Association, Elementary, Secondary, Middle Level, and Special Education Associations, is hosting our summer conference June 4th, 5th, and 6th in Norman, Oklahoma. And we have an amazing lineup of keynote speakers as well as amazing thought leaders. Tim Elmore, who leads Growing Leaders and is the author of Marching Off the Map, will be keynoting. Ron Carly, who's going to be talking about innovation and creativity and maintaining health and well-being for leaders, as well as thought leaders like Marlena Gross-Taylor, who will be presenting on branding like a startup, or John Wink, who will be presenting on excellence in every classroom, creating school-wide systems for teacher success, or Justin Bader, Now we're talking 21 Days to High Performance Instructional Leadership, a great book from Solution Tree, as well as an amazing lineup of Oklahoma leaders, speakers, sessions on everything you can imagine for school leadership, as well as advocacy and legislative updates for those of you in Oklahoma. So check it out at ccosa.org. And now let's jump into this week's episode. Hi, friends. This is Will Parker, host of Principal Matters, the School Leaders Podcast, where each week we bring you inspiring, innovative, and imaginative ideas for your own school leadership. You can check out all my resources for school leaders at williamdparker.com. Today, we're discussing maintaining balance and self-care with my guest and co-host, Jen Schwanke, who's also the principal of Indian Run Elementary School in Dublin, Ohio, and the author of You're the Principal, Now What? Strategies and Solutions for New School Leaders. Jen, Welcome back. It's been a while since we've connected for recording these podcasts. I'm so excited to see you and hope you're having a great day in Dublin, Ohio. We sure are having a good day. It's nice to be back. I'm excited about talking about this topic. I think it's a it's a hot one right now, one that a lot of principals are thinking about. Yeah, you know, when I speak to principals and we do trainings and presentations, whenever this topic comes up, and I know it's the same for you, it's one where people get real pretty quickly about how overwhelmed they feel in their school leadership the pressure and anxiety that they feel with trying to balance their family life and their school life. In fact, just this week, I was in uh, Freeport, Texas, presenting to Brazelsport ISD, a wonderful school district there with a big group of assistant principals and aspiring leaders. And I spent the day talking about leadership strategies, organizational leadership, team building. And we also talked about individual self-care. And afterwards, I connected with a good friend of mine there, uh, Brent Jaco, who's chief of staff for that school district. And he took me for a drive down to uh, the Gulf waters so we could just see the ocean. And it was absolutely beautiful. But Jen, even while I was standing there looking at the sand and the clouds and the water, I was so tired and so distracted, (laughs) so distracted from that day's work that I kept having to tell myself, be in the moment be in the moment, be in the moment. So all the things that I had just been trying to encourage principals to do, I was having such a hard time doing. And I also remembered that this is exactly how teachers, principals feel every day. You know, how do we leave the pouring out our hearts every single day to the people with whom we work and then come home and still pour our hearts out there? That's not easy, is it? Not at all. And I'm glad to hear that story. And I'm glad that you admitted you still struggled with it, even after spending time telling others how to do it, because it is really hard to do. A lot of times people will ask me, how do you keep balance? And if I'm honest, I answer, well, I don't. 
I constantly work at it. It's constantly something I'm thinking about and striving toward, but it's never in full balance. And you you do have to do those mental uh, discipline games with yourself to stay focused to what you know will work. And you know, we don't grow in areas of our life until we often will pause to reflect on where we need to grow. And so I think that understanding that we struggle with balance and we'll always struggle with balance um, doesn't mean we shouldn't try because reflecting on it kind of gives us some important reminders, just like important reminders uh, for other areas of our life of why we just need to pause, take some time to, to step back objectively and look at ourselves and say, okay, where are some areas of my life that I may, may be neglecting that need some attention. I I showed this wheel of life to the participants in the presentation I was doing this week where it's a pie chart and it's got your life there and it's broken into parts. You, you are social, you are mental, you are financial, you are spiritual, you have family, you have a career. In all of those areas of your life, your nutrition, uh, they all make up who you are. And so often we spend so much time focused on that work wedge of our wheel and neglecting those other parts that our wheel gets really wobbly And so I have accepted that there's no way my wheel will ever be perfectly balanced. I think that's naive. But I haven't accepted that I can't keep investing in those other areas so that they can continue to grow and be nourished so that those other parts of my life can be healthier. Let's talk a little bit, Jen, about just some suggestions. And you have a great chapter in your book where you talk about the importance of balance. And you even include a schedule a mock schedule in there for principles of, of ways they can consider breaking their days into parts. And we can touch on that later if you'd like to, but let's just dig into some suggestions of thoughts that might help principals this week think about in their own reflection of some areas that they should not be neglecting. I think that one of the ones that I always focus on and I encourage others to is, is putting your family first. And mm-hmm. family looks a lot of different ways. And so, you know, whoever your family is, whether it's a nuclear family or it's a your friends or it's the people that balance you out in some way, putting those people first. You talked a lot about this this pie chart. And I think that that what we don't ever want to do as principals is prioritize something so much that the other parts, and in this case, we're talking family, that family gets out of whack. And then all of a sudden you're in reactive mode. You know, your child is in crisis or your spouse has given up on you or you you don't feel committed to your family's values anymore, then you know the damage is already done. And you're going to spend so much time and energy trying to make it right again. And the better way to approach that, I think, is just always put it first. Because really, at the end of the day, that's what's left. We hear a lot about, you know, that you don't want to be buried and, and have your tombstone say, gosh, I wish I'd spent more time at work. So we have to actively work to, to make it not so and put the things that we do value most, the, the people that will be around us when we are at our weakest and most vulnerable, make sure they know that they are our number one. You know, when I became aware of that in the early years of my assistant principal work, I tell a story often, you know, those first couple of years are the hardest. And then that second year, my children were little, I would come home from work late. I would help put them to bed. I would open up my laptop. I would work into the wee hours of the night. I'd get up super early and just keep on working. And one night my wife asked me, you know, Will, can we talk when the kids went to bed? And I said, sure. So I closed my laptop and she just was so honest with me. And Principal Matters listeners, you've probably heard me tell the story before, but it's been, it was one of those pivotal moments of my life. And she just said to me without bitterness or resentment, well, the kids and I have accepted that you are not a husband or a dad, except on the weekends. And you are a shell of the man that you used to be. Uh, and I 
when she went to bed that night after that long conversation, I opened my laptop back up, but instead of working, I actually composed a letter of resignation. I took it to work the next day, put it on my desk in a folder, and I told myself, I'm either going to start figuring out a better way to do a good job here, but also be home, focus on my family and my own self-care, or at the end of the school year, I'm handing in this letter. There was no silver bullet. There was no like, I didn't like snap my fingers and life was all, all better and I was not stressed anymore. But, but just that mindset of just doing that action and, and committing myself to this has to also be a priority. Slowly, I began to adapt new behaviors that made it better. And it, over time, it made it better. And one of those things that I committed to was leaving work with enough time to be with my family. And one of my assistant principal friends, I told her as we were going into the next year, I need some help. I have a hard time leaving and getting home with quality time with my family. And so we made a pact and we would go by each other's offices and often it was her coming by mine and she would stick her head in and she would say, Will, your family needs you more than the school. Go home. And so there was a certain point each day where she knew that if I was still there, she needed to come kick me out. Or if I was getting up and seeing she was still there, I needed to kick her out. Right. (laughs) That mutual accountability was so helpful. And just to know that I had permission from other people in, in my work who knew my family needed priority too. So, And I think, I think that we should dissect that a little bit further. The other thing you did there, even though you felt you weren't putting your family first, is when it came time to listen, you really heard what was being said to you. I think it would have been easy for you to grow defensive and say, you know, I've got to work so hard. How can you not appreciate this? And don't you, don't you understand? But instead you stopped and you listened and you put an action plan in place. And, you know, speaking of keeping balance, that's a great example of how to recognize signs that you're going too far the other way and put actions in place. I think it's a, it's a tough thing to be a beginning administrator. And if, because the measure of success tends to be how many hours you work, or if you answer every email within an hour, or if you, you know, have the stacks of papers all organized or whatever, the measure of success is outward appearances of having, getting everything done. And that's a really, really difficult bar to meet. And so sometimes we have to accept things aren't going to get done and, or they're not going to get done to the expectation we, we thought they should. And we have to, to have balance, we have to recognize that that's a, a reality of the job. And I also think for those early years, and I tell this to especially first and second year admins, because it's the same thing when you're starting teaching, um, you, you have that same, exactly. it's so overwhelming. I, I tell a lot of early admins, please give yourself a lot of grace Yes. Because you're going to find it hard to find balance. If you're a listener out there who's like in that first or second year and you're like, wow, Will, that story was inspiring. I think I'm going to resign now. Um, (laughs) I just want want to tell you, give yourself some grace because even the tips that Jen and I are going to be giving in today's episode may be things that that you only can give five minutes to, you know, that you can only give just a little bit of time to because you are learning so much that it takes a little extra time to learn. And once you've learned some things, it gets easier. Right. So I don't, I don't want you to feel like if you're listening to this, that I'm hopeless. I can't devote my time to all these things. But in my relationship with my wife, then, you know, as I was in my second year. She'd, she'd given me a lot of grace that first year and she was giving me a lot of grace that second, but she knew that at some point I was going to have to refocus. I couldn't just keep pouring myself in or I was going to just run empty everywhere else. And I was. Right. I was I had put on at least 20 pounds. My blood pressure was high. I wasn't eating lunch during the days. I was just eating while I ran. I wasn't spending time with friends. I was just 
working. And that and that's a recipe for, for burnout. And so what are some other things, Jen? I know family is so important. And if you have some other thoughts on that, feel free to, to put those in. But there are other areas that I think principals should focus on to maintain balance. Well, you alluded to this when we were discussing family, and that was your colleague who would come down the hall and tell you to go home. Mm-hmm. Staying connected to colleagues is so helpful because this job is one that, that you do work alone a lot. And I always say when I'm working with groups of principals, loneliness is not being alone and being alone does not make you lonely. So even though sometimes I, again, <laughs> I tell again. principals, yes, you work lar- largely alone, but that doesn't mean you have to be lonely. Good. And if you are feeling lonely, that isn't necessarily attributed to the fact that you work alone. And so, you know, we have to work to avoid that and, and staying connected to colleagues, whether it's an assistant principal down the hall or it's a colleague that you call across the country. Just someone who can understand the work and make sure that you don't fall into the black hole of loneliness. Because, you know, especially if you're not doing our first tip, which is putting your family first, if you're not staying connected to colleagues who will help you balance it out, that's a recipe for disaster. And and you'll find yourself turning in that resignation letter, which we don't want anyone to do. You know, something else I think we could add to that list too for just connecting with others while you're working is something I mentioned already, which is actually take time to eat. Um, (laughs) Food can be kind of some touch points in your day where you can reconnect with people because so often I would make the mistake of trying to eat while I worked or catching up on email. And I still make that mistake even today. But if I would purposefully look for an opportunity to sit down with someone else and those first few years when I began to try to repractice some habits, I I would go especially my other admin colleagues or people that were doing lunch duty with me, you know, I would just try to connect with them and just eat and talk and just, and not even necessarily about school, but just let me hear about your life and what's going on with you. And let me tell you what's going on with me. And just that adult interaction with other people that share things that you care about, or uh, maybe they care about things you don't, but it's fun to hear what's going on in their lives. It, It builds, it reconnects you to that community that you're in and you're not necessarily feeling alone in that work. I think that's an important thing to talk about. We could talk about it all day. I say in the book, don't eat like you work in a school. And so by that, I meant the quality of the food, of course. You know, you, you need to eat well. But I am terrible at doing what you just described. I always think, oh, I just need these 20 minutes to catch up on email or to go in my office and read through something. And so... I've told myself too in the past that I I need a moment alone. And that is true. But eating is an act that connects us to other human beings. And it does force us to slow down sometimes. And Mm -hmm. and for me, I find myself when I don't commit to that, I chew too fast or I don't chew at all. I wolf down food, then I have a stomach ache and then I get a headache and it it just perpetuates itself from there. So to have that self-discipline to stop, connect with another human being, chew your food, chew good food that will really make you feel better and sustain you throughout the day, then you don't come home with a headache and you're already barking at your kids and snapping at your partner because you, you've taken care of yourself for that midday meal. And that, of course, applies for the evening meal and the morning meal as well. Right. Um, you know, we, we've all heard we are machines and we have to fuel the machines correctly. So that, that's definitely worth noting in, in terms of keeping balance and staying healthy. Yeah, and so I know I, that we may sound like grandparents today, but we do. But, we sound we sound like we're eighty. So well, <laughs> we do. That's so old. But good nutrition is so important. And so, like when I used to like on the fly grab a slice of really yummy but gooey pizza, um, you know, 
that catches up with you after a while. But if you, and that's, I'm not saying don't enjoy a good piece of pizza every once in a while, but, but think about the food that you're putting in your body and how it affects how your brain works and how it affects how you, the rest of your body feels and, um, and practice good nutrition because you're going to be healthier too, because good nutrition keeps your body strong. And you know that you're dealing with like thousands of germs as you're running around with kids all day long and teachers who are sick. And so the ability to maintain good health it affects your mindset and it affects your energy level. And, and Jen, for me, that was also exercise. And I loved exercising when I was younger. And when I became an admin, that was one of the first things that I just stopped doing because I just was running out of so much time. But there's this compound effect that happens. You're not taking care of your body. You're not eating well. You're not exercising. So then your body doesn't have the kind of energy and strength and perseverance that, that it had before. And so one of the commitments that I made after that conversation with my wife too was I still got up very early in the morning, but I refused to open the laptop. And instead I set my running shoes out before I would go to bed. That way they were there in my running clothes. And that way I didn't have to think about it. They were just there and I could put them on. I could step outside my door, set the timer on my watch or my phone and just go for a run. And that's not what everyone loves to do. So people, maybe it's yoga, maybe it's a, a brisk walk, maybe whatever it is, maybe it's rowing or skiing. But for me, that was what I knew I could do in 30 minutes, get back to my house, shower, get ready for the day. And, and as that became a new habit, then suddenly I found myself with more energy instead of less. You'd think getting up early and running would give you like wear you out, but instead I had more energy because I was taking care of, of my health. Well, and when you do that, you have a little bit more of a swagger with your walk when you walk into <laughs> when you walk into your office because you're looking around and you're thinking, you know what? I've already slayed dragons this morning. I have <laughs> I have run my workout. I have showered. I've eaten a good breakfast. Bring it on. So, That's so you know, true. it's so true. And a lot of administrators I've talked to who have found that that a, a certain time for exercise, many of us do it first thing in the morning because mm-hmm. first of all, we're too sleepy to hate it. Mm-hmm. And second of all, it does give you that little extra swag you need to go in and kill the day. And it's also a problem solving time. There are many, many times where I've gone home in the evening, unable to figure out what the solution, the next solution for that kid, that parent, that teacher, or some situation I'm trying to solve for myself. And wonderfully during that run, sometimes that solution works itself out. And, and, and part of it, I think, is just the, the space to think. And part of it, I think, is what's happening in your body with the endorphins that are releasing and the oxygen that's coming to your brain and the ability to actually reflect. And I also pray when I run, Jen. I'm, and, and so I kind of, sometimes I combine my, my, my spiritual walk with my, with my exercise. It gives me a chance to reconnect with those things that are important to me. And I think that's an important part of staying healthy. Well, since we're sounding like grandparents and like we have all the all the uh, information to share with the world, let's talk about sleep too. That's another thing. Many of okay. us let's principals, we stay awake and we worry, 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 worry about any number of problems at school. And I've been spending some time lately, and by lately I mean the last five years, really trying to do some, you know, a mental medication, for lack of a better word, a mental self medication where I force those thoughts to turn off. And I, you know, I scold myself like a grandparent would. This is not helpful. This is not healthy. It's 1030 at night. Now is the time to sleep. And, you know, forcing myself to shut off the thoughts so that I can get a good night's sleep. You know, Jen, that reminds me of a great book I read this last year by Daniel Pink called When the Scientific Secrets of Perfect Timing. And he talks in that book about not just the importance of sleep, but even the importance of just taking breaks, moments of rest throughout your day, moments of rest throughout your week. And, you know, there's a quote from his book where he says, there's a growing 
body of science that makes it clear that breaks are not a sign of sloth, but a sign of strength. And sleep is a way for you to regain your strength. It's not a sign of weakness to go to bed early so that you have enough strength to make it through the day and to make better decisions. Right. A lot of us too, though, we have to address this elephant in the room. A lot of people feel if they can't sleep, if they lie down and their mind is going too fast and they can't sleep, then they get so upset about not sleeping and they start to think about how that's going to affect their next day because they don't have any sleep. And so really it goes back to your other comment about just grace. Give yourself a break. Yeah. If, you, if you've if you made mistakes at work all the way up to if you can't sleep at night, it's okay. It will all yeah. work out. Mm-hmm. It's just, you know, letting yourself just be and, and not, the, oh no, now I'm an insomniac. Now I have to deal with that. No, you really don't. You just, you just need to relax and give yourself that grace. All right. Well, that means I'm going to throw in this bullet point. This is, just, <laughs> this is just a will only, but you can claim this one too if you want. But I'm a big believer in the power of drinking coffee. <laughs> and, and, in fact, I remember the day that I, um, I I went through a couple of years of thinking that my natural energy was enough. And when I would get home in the evenings, I was still dragging. And one night we were making supper and my sweet wife, who I've already told you is, is really honest with me, we were making supper one night and she just looked over me and said, well, you know what? I think you're a nicer dad when you drink coffee. Because <laughs> I, was, I was being grumpy with the kids. And so I just thought, you know, she's probably right. So I started drinking coffee again. I was a better principal too. Absolutely. Um, <laughs> it gives you something to look forward to, something that will make you just feel good. Well, you know, in addition to, to sleeping, exercising, good nutrition, let's talk about activities outside of school that you enjoy. Because I think sometimes we forget that we are people other than just school leaders. When I was at the event in Texas this week, and I mentioned my friend Brent Jaco, who had hosted that event down there, he invited me to his home the last evening I was there. And I discovered that Brent loves to cook. And while he was describing to me the different things that he loves to make, and he had made us some great food, it was like watching a child unwrapping a present, just watching him suddenly become so passionate and so excited. And I was just looking at him thinking, this is what gives you joy. This is the thing that gives you joy and recharges your batteries for coming in the next day and serving your schools. And so I think it's so important that we not neglect the things that give us joy. I was presenting to a group of principals not long ago and I threw out there, you know, think of whatever you love, whatever it is that lights you up and makes you excited. And what I said without thinking was, think of what you loved when you were 10. And, (laughs) And everybody in the room looked at me like, oh, it's, maybe that's what it is. But what I meant by that is what makes you feel like you did when you were a child and what makes you you um, excited to learn and excited to dig in and get your hands dirty. You know, when you're 10 years old, you don't think about, oh, this is going to be hard. And you don't think, I'm not good at this. And you don't think, I don't have time. You, you're more reacting on instinct to what you love and what fills, fills you up. So whatever it is that lit you up when you were 8, 10, 12, or whatever, 30, 35, whatever it was that that made you feel alive, Um, cooking, cleaning, yoga, walking, reading, sleeping, spending time with friends, drinking wine, whatever it is that makes you feel good. Wow. You know, Jen, that actually brought back a memory for me too when you said that. I remember when I was 10, I used to take the tape recorder that we had at our house because I'm old enough that we had a tape recorder. (laughs) And I used to record on my own, my own radio shows where I was the host, the guest, the weatherman, the sports channel, and the commercials. <laughs> and it's so funny because I'm doing, that's, what You're are we doing, doing right that. now? Yeah, yeah. Exactly. So, so when I discovered podcasting and I thought, wow, I could t- actually teach lessons about my school leadership through this medium of recording, I'm coming back to a love that I had when I was little. So 
Thanks for that memory. <laughs> and, and you know, the other thing too is sometimes it isn't the exact linear step like you just made. But for me, I had a horse and I loved her with all my heart. And I just going on rides with her and being with her. But it wasn't necessarily the horse. What it was was being outside, breathing yeah. the fresh air, connecting to something greater than myself. And so, you know, here I am, 45 years old. I don't have a horse and I'm not going to have a horse. But what I do still have is the ability to get myself up, get outside, fill up my lungs with clean air, you know, notice the tulips, notice the rain, whatever it is. That's what, what made me feel strong at 10 and what still can make me feel strong now. Let's do one more. And then I want to jump into some other takeaways next week, because I, I think this is an important topic. And so uh, let's talk about one more before we end today's episode, Jen. And let's talk about something that you recommend in your book. And I love the way you worded this, which is making regularly scheduled sacred times. Talk about that. What do you mean by appreciating the sacred times? Everyone's sacred time really does look different. And so again, you, William Parker, me, Jen Schwanke, we can't tell anyone what that is going to look like for themselves because it's so different. What I mean by this, and I think what you have found in your life too, is is times that nothing from work can touch. When I was little, my parents' farm was surrounded by Amish farms and they had what they called Sunday rest. And Sundays were the day that they did not do anything that that took up the rest of their week. And so, you know, it may be for you, it might be Sunday. It might be um, evenings watching an episode of The Office with your spouse. It might be that morning run. It might be um, a Saturday afternoon where um, you go and you, you buy a new outfit. Whatever it is, you can designate that time and nothing touches it unless there's a true crisis. So of course, there's always that caveat. There might be something that comes up at school that you absolutely sure. must tend to. But 99% of the time, it isn't something that needs attention right now. So you you give yourself that time and you stick to it. Mine is my um, hour-long hot yoga class every morning and it's pretty sacred. There'd have to be something pretty significant to pull me away from that. That's something that I began to practice even before school admin was trying to figure out for, for us and our family, you know, we use that word, the, the Sabbath rest, trying to put all of my work priorities in every other space but that one. And it's hard. It's really hard it's so to do hard. that. But what happens when you begin to do that is you begin to prioritize and time things and schedule things so that they don't crowd into that sacred time. Exactly. That sacred time actually recharges your batteries. And frankly, I by the time I'm past that day, I, when when Monday morning rolls around, I'm like eager to work again. I'm like I'm ready because because I've had enough space from it that I'm starting to miss it. Well, not always, but but often. <laughs> and so and so I just think there's just such a power, I think, in, in regularly scheduling times where work can't touch it. And again, for those of you that are listening to this, that where work may seem overwhelming, I know that we're talking about this in the spring, which is so hard because this is like the crunch before summer. You may not be able to have a lot of sacred time till summer comes, but hold on to that, which also I think is the importance too of scheduling now for what you're going to be doing on your vacation, going ahead and protecting some time over the summer that's just going to be for your family, for yourself, recharging to do the things that you love. And part of that sacred time, by the way, is about technology and and stepping away truly. So let's talk about that next week when we get together, because I think there's, there's a lot of courage that comes with 
with actually implementing that sacred time. And I've got a story I'm going to tell next time about what I learned from a colleague of mine about those sacred times. So, well, awesome. Yeah. Well, principal managed listeners, I want to thank you for taking time as always to listen, to learn, and to grow. And Jen, thank you so much for co-hosting these episodes on strategies and solutions that work for school leaders. I'm looking forward to next week. Until then, thanks for doing what matters. Thanks, everyone. Talk to you soon. If you'd like other free resources like this one, you can check out all my posts at williamdparker.com. 